0: Welcome to Day Two Inbound 18 Pop Up Special. Jeez, that's turning into a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? Uh, this is our second pop up uh, episode of Inbound 18. I'm joined by fellow Red Panda Tasha Delbianco. How are you today, Tasha?
1: Yeah, I'm really good, thanks, Moby. What about uh, what about yourself?
0: Well, I'm glad you asked that softball question, Tasha. And I, for our listeners, like you guys know, if you if you're a regular listener of this podcast, we love HubSpot. I love HubSpot. I love inbound, but I have to get something off my chest. So yesterday, Tasha, I left uh, my—I lost my pass. I think I left it in an Uber. Oh no. That's right, and that's fine. Okay, this is not a problem. You know, people lose things all the time. You know, my wife would sound more on the forgetful side of things, but it is what it is. First time in three years, I lost my pass. So you can give me that, and um, that's all—all good. And I rocked up at the desk today, and I was asked to pay six hundred U.S. dollars. That's like five grand Australian. That's no, not that bad. It might be about eight hundred Australian uh, for a pass. Now, when I if you lose your uh, if you go to a car park garage or a shopping centre and you lose your day pass, they you, you might have to pay thirty dollars, maybe fifty dollars to get your thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollar car out of the garage, right? And. I honestly, they've got to do something about this because, like, even today, and we'll talk about uh, Damesh and Brian's amazing, amazing keynote today. Um, Damesh even said, you know, like, when you go through your actual customer invoices, look at the costs that look like, is this a genuine cost or is this a blatant customer ripoff? Yeah. So I'm sorry, HubSpot, but charging $600 is a blatant freaking ripoff, right? That is a blatant ripoff. There is no way you can justify charging that much money for lost parts. Now, if anyone's listening from HubSpot, I would say, guys, you need to fix that. People lose things all the time. It's not about the money. It's about the value, right? I. Anyway, I'm going to stop there. Okay. That rant over and time to move on. So, okay. So like I mentioned earlier, we're going to talk uh, a lot today about Brian and Darmesh's. Keynote. So, this is uh, generally probably the highlight of Inbound. Every year, Brian and Damesh do this um, keynote together on the latest trends of marketing, on where growth is heading, on where marketing is going, and um, probably the biggest attended singular event at Inbound. And this year was no different, right? So, the focus of uh, Brian's one, and I guess, you know, both in Brian, and I guess the theme of this year's Inbound. Is the idea that the funnel is dead right so the funnel they're referring to is you know if you can picture a funnel um, you have uh, marketing at the top you have sales I guess in the middle and then you have the customer output so the the, I guess the proposition was that that funnel is dead and now it's all about the customer flywheel it's about putting customers at the center so if you consider a wheel I guess that's the diagram you can think about it's a wheel it moves around all the forces are equal, and you have the customer or growth in the centre. Now, those factors around that circle, which is customers, of course, uh, is attract, engage, and delight. So, attracting, obviously, entra- attracting audiences or attracting uh, your personas to your brand, uh, engaging with them, nurturing them, and then delighting them. So that's, I guess, the the basic idea. Now. Um, it was really good. I mean, they gave us, I guess, a bunch of homework. You know, draw your company's flywheel. Uh, put some numbers on it to see, like, where are you strong in? Or where are you not strong in? Because the idea of a flywheel is if you have, or if you think of a car, or, or, or the wheel of a car, and you put, too mu- you put the bearings too much in one spot, after a while, that's going to damage your car. You know, after a while, that's going to break. So the idea there was, and I think this is a really great way to think about your business. You know, are you putting too much focus on, um, the attracting side of things are you ignoring the delight side of things you know are we placing the customer in the center so it's a really great way to think about it and it, it's one of those things where at first i was like honestly even me i was listening to that and i'm like yeah that's all great and i, I completely believe in this and and whatnot but i mean isn't this more of a big customer thing like isn't this once you kind of get you know to the size of i don't know uh Walmart, uh, IBM, you know Procter and Gamble, isn't this something you worry about? Then, um, but that's definitely not the case. I was convinced otherwise. So, you know, Brian's talked to the fact that you consider all these companies now, like uh, Purple that sell mattresses, Woolby Parker that sell glasses, and they uh, he, uh, Brian actually spoke about them last year as well. They have this awesome try before you buy thing. You can have five glasses, try them on, and send the ones back you don't want. Um, all these brands, they they're all in commodity. Like, they're not, they're not selling anything new. Mm-hmm. But what they were able to do was remove friction, yeah. right? The, the flywheel, I guess, you know, metaphorically, it's moving quite nicely. And they're all startups. So they started with the customer first. So there's no excuse for us not to place the customer first. And he spoke about things like, you know, being... Um, self-serve versus full service, allowing 24 seven access you know, for our customers as opposed to nine to five. Um, allowing try before you buy, or opportunities to try uh, as opposed to buy first. So he gave all these B2C examples and I really sort of liked what he said. He goes, look, if you're in the B2C world, that train's actually already left the station. You know, it's yeah. you have to place the customer first. You don't have a choice. You'll turn out like Blockbuster and you will die. And that and that's the example that he gave. Um, but for B2Bs, and that's a lot of our, I guess, a lot of our clients, a lot of the people who are at Inbound, I'd, I'd probably guess, um, we need to get ready. It's happening for us as well. And the idea that friction is the enemy. We need to remove that. So what were your thoughts, Sasha? What were your thoughts about this whole flywheel and, and how um it represents what businesses need to do you agree disagree give me your thoughts
1: i totally agree that customers need to be at the center of everything that you do customer service today more than uh, ever is so so important i know for myself as a consumer in the b2c plus the b2b space um, if i've had a, a, a crappy customer experience whether that be with a person a bot or just a user experience online. I won't refer that person. I won't go back to them unless it's like a need. But um, the 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 customer centric model makes a lot of sense, and it it has for a long time. Though you know, word of mouth referrals. If you treat that's not your, new. No, not new, but it's um it's good to see more more emphasis being put onto it. And it you know obviously goes nicely with um, HubSpot's new push on their services. Yeah, the new um, growth stack. Team. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're, you're right. And I I do think, look, I mean, it's I don't think it's a bad thing, but it's I really don't. I, I do think HubSpot can be self-serving and also help businesses and brands and, and still be on point and moving with the times. But, of course, you know, this represents their new products. You know, they're trying to sell. Like they've been selling marketing and sales tools for a long time. Now they've got the service hub, uh, which has a lot to do with, um, I guess, you know, they have things like the ticketing system and, you know.
1: Knowledge-based articles the Zen Desk type of style of uh, service, which is, yeah, it's really cool. It is cool. It's cool that it's all in the one the one spot.
0: Yeah, so it really is not just about getting people in that database and leaving them, Mm-mm. but nurturing them, delighting those, and for, for the first time, HubSpot's able to do that. So I completely, that's fine. It's not a problem. They're trying to sell their stuff where everyone's got to eat, right? Not a problem. And I do, I do think it's, it is it is indicative of where we have to be. Um, and I do like the fact that they spoke about, you know, we used to talk about I don't know who said this, but Brian referenced this: that our product needs to be ten times better than the competition. It's not so much that anymore. Products are commodities. Our customer experience needs to be ten times lighter mm-hmm. than the competition, and that's just just not sales and marketing. That's op- that's actually very little to do with just sales and marketing. It's operations. It's service delivery it's admin, it's, you know, uh, and and uh, we'll talk about this a bit later, what Damesh said, like, you know, even things like exiting, con- exiting contracts and stuff. You know what I mean? It's placing them first. So um, I'll. they've actually already put out some resources on this, which we'll link in the show notes. So all our inbound pop-up episodes you can find at RedPandas.com.au/inbound18, where we have not only every pop-up episode of the day, but all the video interviews that we're doing on site, which we've received some great feedback for our first one yesterday with Marcus Andrews from the product team. Um, yes, yeah, you can find all that there, so I'll we'll link that in the show notes. And there's already a link which I don't know off the top of my head um, that talks about this new flywheel and. Uh, Links to the flywheel, more information, how you can kind of self-assess, which I think is a great idea. Now, now onto my criticisms, right? So again, I agree that this is where customers, uh, where brands need to go. The thing is, Brian said that the old funnel was broken. But the thing is, the funnel that he showed, so he showed a funnel that's broken, and then he had that side-by-side with the flywheel, right? Yeah. The funnel that he said was, the funnel that he showed was marketing, had marketing at the top, then sales and customer. Now, to be honest, I've never seen that funnel before. (laughs) I've never seen that funnel. Look, And I understand that that funnel is trying to simplify the the traditional funnel. Now, the traditional funnel, the one that a lot of our listeners may have seen, is having attract, close, delight. So you have, and at the top you have strangers. And then, so we attract strangers to uh, become visitors to our web properties. Then we convert visitors to leads. Then we close those leads to customers and then we delight them. Of course, sales and marketing is somewhere in that spectrum. Mm -hmm. So what what, uh, Brian has done is is simplified that. But I think there is an issue with that simplification. So um, when you look at it that way, um, I, I think what we're doing is, we're saying that the funnel's dead, but I don't think it's dead. I really don't think it's it. I think the problem is that we're oversimplifying a tactical funnel, because this is a tactical tool. Mm -hmm. When you look at the funnel, the idea is, and the HubSpot's been espousing this for years, are awesome, so you might have strangers, visitors, leads, customers at the end. What do you do between those points to convert them? So, you know, for strangers, we use SEO, blogs, social media to get them onto our, you know, websites and social media properties. Then we use call to actions forms, now bots to convert them to leads. So on and so, on. those steps I don't think they go away, but the problem is you're taking a tactical uh, funnel and replacing it with a strategic business framework. And I want to repeat that this flywheel is a strategic business framework. He's right. Placing the customer at the centre isn't just a sales and marketing job. Um, it can be, and it will be in a big way. But like we said, it's embedded in every part of the business. It's embedded in the business model, right? It's embedded in operations, admin. And, of course, sales and marketing is going to fulfill a lot of that and communicate that. But you see what I'm trying to say, Tash? Like yeah. the funnel is a business philosophy. It's a framework, you know, that you embed in every part of your organization. The funnel is a very tactical tool. So you have something that's quite tactical, that helps you kind of move those, you know, those people through yes. that yeah. those steps. Um, and then you have something that's more strategic. So I think that's a problem. And, look, do I really believe that, um, you know, people are going to say, you know, or... Oh, just because Damesh is saying, oh, let's forget about that and just focus on the funnel. No, I don't. But I think the problem is if you simplify it, if you say we're going to decimate the old funnel completely, you're ignoring a lot of the tactical relevance that it does have. I think it's more about let's evolve beyond the funnel. Let's make sales and marketing role a little bit bigger. Let's use the funnel, I guess, the steps, the tactics yeah. that we've used in the past but use the flywheel to to guide the growth and direction of our company, which is yeah. what he's saying. Yeah. But all I'm saying is, like, let's evolve. Let's not say it's broken all of a sudden, right? Like, I'm sick of every year something being broken. The it's flywheel dead. is broken. Yeah. Uh, last year, cold calling is dead, which I don't believe that a lot of our clients are still getting a lot of results. The mm-hmm. thing is, they're arming that with bound. Yeah. Um. You know, like I'm I'm sick of these these blanket statements. Yeah. What say you, Tash?
1: No, I I tend to agree. You know the. The funnel that I guess I'm used to or seeing, and what I've you know built my own kind of frameworks off, is that those tactics. What are those tactics that will take someone from that attract phase all the way through to that delight phase? And I don't, I'm not ready to say goodbye to it yet, definitely. But I do think that the flywheels are really nice, pretty uh, easy, simple way to show what we really should be focusing and zoning in at like, a business level. At a business level, exactly. But then. You know, I do a lot of our groundwork with our clients and that funnel that, you know, we're looking at, which I'm assuming you reference in the show notes, I use it all the time. Refer back to it and make sure that, you know, our customers are tracking their journeys of their own customers and, you know, we're using the right tactics at the right stages and it's really tactic, tacticful, tactical and helpful. Hey, uh, I think I made di- it di- uh what's it?
0: Di- <laughs> Dimeesh? I've just blended two names there. Uh, Dimeesh made up a word and you exactly. can make up one Practical. yourself. So through. I think you said. Yeah, he did. <laughs> um, yeah, no problem. Yeah, so no, I agree. Completely agree. You know, the, like the flywheel is something that's strategic. It's something that's, you know, would be tossed around in boardrooms at the C-suite. You know, this is where we're taking our business. This is how we're going to... Uh, differentiate against our competition by placing the customer first and referencing companies like Amazon like Warby Parker uh, like all these brands that have been commodities operating commodities but what sets them apart is the experience that's what people come back for that's what people pay a premium for and the funnel is something that's more tactical you know it's, it's how you move people through the database and hand off to sales and I, I think the flywheel is too flywheel is too simplistic for that so okay, agree. So all right, let's move on to Damesh Shah, and you know, the HubSpot they're masters at this. They they transitioned very nicely through you know their different speakers. So where I guess Brian spoke about customer centricity, customer centricity. Yeah. Finally, I got it, yeah. got that word out. Um, Damesh gave us more of a framework or a code. So Damesh kind of continued on that path of you know a lot of brands will say, and I love this, will say it's trendy to say we're customer obsessed, but companies are often self obsessed. It's trendy to, to say we're customer centric. But customers are often uh, sorry, clients or companies are often customer centric, and that's the word that he made up. Um, we're a customer first company, but you know we'll eventually kind of get there, mm. and that's not the right way to look at it. So, what he really spoke about is you need to think of your own business as let's consider what companies offer, not what they sell. What do they? That
1: experience. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. It's not exactly what they're selling. It's what they offer, you know, and, and I think that's such a good way to look at it. So he, I mean, HubSpot has, it's, it's quite well known to have a research. They spend a lot of money in research, a lot of money in R&D. And essentially what they've come up with come up with is what they call the, cust, the HubSpot customer code. And he shared a couple of key findings from that. So, you know, things like, you know, what they found a lot of their research is what, what clients are saying is earn my attention don't just steal it. You know That's the way you need to look at it. It's a harsh word, but earn my attention, don't steal it. Give me something I value first. And 85% of people will think lower of their brand with unwanted outreach. So the idea is if you are outreaching, and whether this is like a LinkedIn outreach, whether this is a cold call, whether this is like your marketing, I mean, it is pretty much the inbound playbook, right? Give, things, give them something of true value first. Solve for my success, not for your systems. Mm-hmm. Another one was own your screw-ups. And I mean, the probably the best example of that that got a chuckle out of, out of everyone was the KFC thing one, right? Yeah. What was that about?
1: I think uh, KFC around the US had run out of chicken. And that's like the biggest, worst thing that KFC can have done. And then a week later or something like that, they released an ad. I think it was a full-page ad in one of the you know na- uh, national um, newspapers. And it had a bucket of chicken. It was a really simple ad. Bucket of chicken in the middle of it, and instead of said, uh, instead of it saying KFC, it said F C K.
0: What's that supposed to represent?
1: Oh, maybe I'm sure you can put the lines together.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Okay, but it
1: was it was pretty uh, funny. It was quite humorous the way KFC, um, I guess, took the light. I'm sure it wasn't light-hearted, but they took that humor approach to um, their muck-up
0: markup or okay never mind okay we get the picture right so yeah good point so you know there's a whole bunch of stuff there Uh, just a couple of my other uh other sort of favorites um he spoke about i don't mind paying this is coming from the customer's voice i don't mind i mind paying but i do mind being played oh geez i wonder when i felt that today being played for (laughs) for pain right um be open be clear be easy pricing should be programmatic don't make them negotiate and yeah like i said before in the opening you know like Analyze your costs like are people gonna think this is a blatant cash grab or is there sort of value here? Just saying, right? Um don't block the exit, don't make leaving so hard. You know, customers will notice you make it so easy to onboard, so easy to take their money, um making cancellations, adding fluidity to a flywheel it is going to help your brand it is going to help your word of mouth and in the, in the research that they did they said that okay if customers sorry if brands did make cancellations easy would you consider coming back and 89 percent of them did nothing's bad as you know like gyms are very notorious at doing this you know in australia anyway you try to cancel it's like oh well can you come into the gym please and you'll have to fill out some forms mm-hmm. and my response to that is Dude, I haven't been to the gym in six months. What makes you think I'm going to come in? Exactly. <laughs> you know, just to cancel. So, yes, yeah, so the, the cool thing about this, um, Damesh did make it really, really practical. You can check out, and again, this will be in the show notes. You can check out the customer code at hubspot.com forward slash customer dash code. And they have a self assessment. So, you can actually do a report card where you can grade yourself or your company on, um, you know, earn my, the, the, some of these factors like earn my attention, don't steal it. Treat me like a person, not a persona. Solve for my success, not your systems. Use my data, don't abuse it. Ask for your feedback and, and act on and so on and so forth and, and blocking exits or whatever. So a lot of the factors that we spoke about and a couple more, you can grade yourself on, have a score at the end. And then of course, use that to make your brand more customer centric. So that's the keynotes. Um, any thoughts today from the rest of your day, Tash? How'd you find it?
1: Yeah, look, I thought it was a it was a really successful day, especially for my first time being at inbound. Um one thing I probably felt was there was a couple of couple of sessions that I went to today where I thought maybe the the titles of them were a little bit misleading. So, you know, I walked into this session expecting to walk out with, you know, seven steps to a successful sales strategy, for example, and I kind of maybe left with one step or possibly one and a half. And, you know, um Not not that they were all like that. One other one that I went to was extremely valuable and, you know, I was really happy with the outcomes that I learnt from that. And then probably the last one that I'd attended, again, um, you know, the title and the summary of the event really kind of drew me in, which was great. Uh, Unfortunately, I felt that it was really beginner pieces of content, which definitely met the needs for a lot of people in the room. Mm. Unfortunately, not for myself. So, you know, nothing, all the speakers I saw today were great. They were, um, you know, professional. Unfortunately, there was a couple of, couple of times where I walked away maybe a little bit disappointed. But hey, um, I guess that's part of the break yeah.
0: And look, I mean, like you know, we've always sort of said with these type of sessions, you win some, you lose some. It is what it is, right? Now, now HubSpot, to their credit, they're definitely getting a lot better at, um, you know, forcing speaker speakers to in their submissions to be a little bit more clear but i guess you're right and i think what they well, you know maybe i guess a bit of constructive feedback on our side would be i uh, i guess there's two points right i guess from from an attendees point of view i think we should gauge all of these and measure them like okay how practical is this is this going to be for us mm-hmm. like yeah. you know can i read between the lines can i figure out is there going to be a framework i've noticed the ones that do talk about a framework or a process um you know some of them again you can still you can still be hit and miss but you know am i going to get any practicality out of this first and foremost and i think from hubspot's side one and this is not this is definitely the minority not the majority but some uh feedback i didn't see this myself to be honest but from other people i've heard that some of them just sounded like pictures like sales pitches mm-hmm. for their products yeah. where they might have been marketing been marketed as video marketing breakout sessions, for example, it was more about selling a particular tool. So I think there should be disclaimers around, uh, you know, maybe it's like a, a an icon or something that says, yep, this is this will heavily promote this tool. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, nothing at all. Cool. If something's going to promote HubSpot and I know it is going to, and we're using HubSpot, great, why not? But the lot, and then this is, I'm using an example that didn't happen for obvious reason. But if HubSpot said, for example, how to generate sales and leads in 2018, and it was entirely about their platform, you know, and I wasn't on the platform, I might feel a little bit ripped off. You know what I mean? So I think there should be a clear disclaimers around, Yet yeah, this is this will have a product push. And there's no problem with that at all because if you're interested in that product, great. Um, and also maybe, I don't know what you do about being more practical. I mean, maybe that's something that HubSpot needs to work on and get their, their speakers better, but I have noticed those speakers tend not to come back. So, and it's quite funny too, I will say, uh, you know, for our listeners, Tasha's one of those people, like I never fill out feedback forms mm-hmm. and Tasha is like meticulous, like you will fill out, I didn't even know you could do feedback on... Every session. <laughs> every, every single every session, session you're doing them and you're doing them properly and yep. whereas I'll just like go through something if I want to get like a slide deck or whatever. Um, no, but good on you, like we need people like you to, to yeah. fix these problems <laughs> of people like me who complain, you and know? And it's
1: not just... Bad feedback i'll give i'll give good feedback where it's warranted of course um and i think you know if everyone gave feedback then we'd eventually all have this utopia
0: that's right that's right we need people like you touch okay so on that note <laughs> uh, we'll end today's episode but not before kicking it to today's interview the interview today was with atomic reach and with all the talk of AI and this whole sort of buzz around artificial intelligence and machine learning, it's great to see like brands like Atomic Reach um, actually doing something with that. So what I mean by that is actually, what does that using AI for things like better emails, better landing pages, like we don't wanna be optimizing and split testing all this stuff ourselves. So tools like this really help with that. So let's kick it straight to our interview with Nassar Ahmed, who is the head of uh, Demand Generation Atomic Reach. I'm here with Nisa from Atomic Reach at Inbound 18, we're here doing our second Inbound pop-up episode. Nisa, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Moby. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. So, Nisa, one of the things I love about your tool is in our industry, in marketing, there's this sickness of always trying to look for like a rule of thumb, like, you know, does my email, should it have text in it or should it have imagery in it, Uh, you know, should my blog be this long or whatever. So what I love about your tool, it actually takes all that out of the equation. It throws that kind of by the wayside. Right. So tell us, I guess, how you guys do that and what how Atomic uh, Reach
2: actually helps clients. Sure, absolutely. And actually, that's a good point because uh, one of the common reasons clients usually work with us or okay. even agencies is they are overwhelmed with the amount of data out there or information out there. And if you look at the same subject on email, how to write better emails or better content, you get... 10 different best practices, and how do you make a decision, right? So what our tool does is it actually tells you, uses data, looks at your own content, and then it tells you exactly why and how you should write. And uh, so it takes all the guesswork, all the hunch out of the equation, it's all backed by science and data, and what's also cool for someone like an agency is the intelligence is very personalized, meaning you have 10 clients, or you're writing for 10 different types of audiences, You're able to personalize that data uh, for each of those individuals. So you're not constantly switching and thinking about what to write. It is already there. You just need to plug and play and use that AI to start creating content on that basis.
0: Yeah, so on that, I want to reference an example. One of your colleagues was actually showing me before. So he was showing me emails. And it was, I think it might have been synced with HubSpot. And you could see, um, you know, whether it was like, you know, 500 words or... 400 words or 300, like which amount of words was performing best from a click through point of view? Yeah. So that was one thing you can test with emails, for example.
2: Right. What are some other things that you can test with this tool? So email specifically, uh, so length is very important, right? Because there are so many, dif- you want to find out what length is ideal for each campaign. So our tool can also take it one step further. For this type of campaigns, this length was perfect for this type of campaign, this length is perfect. But on top of that, also the subject line of the email as well. How long should the subject line should be, whether you need to use some type of an emotional word in there, uh, whether a question marks makes a difference, the length, whether uh, if you're using uh, different types of Images or gifts, and if, if the positioning of all those questions doesn't make sense at all, well? so that is on the e subject line. But it also looks at the same thing for the uh, body of the email as well. You're not only looking at length. The same thing applies: is the email is it the right emotional tone? Are you using the right pronouns? Are you is it more about you, 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 or is more we? And so you can you can look at that per campaign, and you're able to craft better emails based on that basis, right? And yeah, that's yes. yeah. And that's one awesome. thing I wanted to add is uh, all this data is useful if it is if it provides you tangible results. And you might be wondering that and what our customers typically see is using our tool, they get a lift on page or for blog content anywhere from 89% to 90% increase in page views and 55% increase in conversions. Because at the end of the day, that's what marketers want. They want to drive those leads, and they want to drive those across blogs, emails, and ads. And that's where we help.
0: So you made a good point that you referenced, because obviously we just spoke about emails that link. Yeah. But it's not just emails. Like it's blogs. What else? What else can Atomic uh, Reach help you with?
2: So today we do blogs, emails, ads. Our goal is to expand that beyond. So what is coming down the line in the future is landing pages as well. As well, and one step beyond that is a marketing team does all the all of these four things. So let's say you create a great piece of content, then you want to send an email campaign, then you want to create an ad campaign around that. So what we do is now we are also doing a cross, cross-functional, cross we are launching a tool in the future called Campaigns where we will look at all the messaging across the board. And so your your language is consistent across the board. So right now what we find a lot of marketing teams is One person is creating blogs, one person is creating ads, the language is different, and the customer experience is not that great because they're getting different types of messages. So that's one of the things. What we are hearing from agencies and customers now as well, they're getting warmed up to the idea of automation. So right now we provide the data, we provide the assistance, the AI guides you in creating, but in the next many months, what we want to see is more automation. That's the request we're getting from more clients. They're asking, can this be automated? completely, and that's where the future is, and that's very exciting.
0: Can it create the content, is that what they ask? Yeah, I
2: mean, based on what you see here, can it create create the sentences, can it merge the sentences? But in the future, an ideal scenario is, can it create the content based on your data? Not just uh, based on engagement data that you have, it's able to provide that information. So that's a little bit future, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, Mm -hmm. but I wanted to share what customers are asking us, because uh, more and more companies are now get war- warming up to automation and AI right now. Well,
0: that, that's where the market's heading and it's yeah. great to hear you guys at the forefront of that. Obviously right. at the moment, it's guiding your blog posts. it's guiding your ads as well, which we just just briefly touched on as well. Yes. What's gonna convert better? Yes. I mean, if you do this right, this thing, I can see this thing paying for itself very easily. Yeah, and yeah, in the future, good. to be able to do that for you, actually yeah. use your data and write your ads, write your blog post, um, anything written content really, Um, you guys are going to be able to obviously help people. So, Nassi, thank you so much,
2: and I hope you have a great inbound. Thank you, Moby. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening
0: to Inbound Buzz. Learn anything? Return the favor by spreading the word. Want to make your mark in digital? Need help with your digital strategy, inbound, and marketing automation efforts? Then visit redpandas.com.au and be sure to tune in next time for another Inbound Buzz hit.